Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Glad you made it out okay. Did uh, uh, anybody get here by outboard motor? I was just, just curious uh, how that went. Uh, I don't know about you, but out our way, things weren't nearly as bad as it looked like. We, uh, we were on Thursday and uh, wanting to go ahead and make a decision about today, not knowing. Because if you saw the projections on Thursday, it was that the storm was coming right through here. So we went ahead and made the decision that we would go to just one service and, uh, and go from there. And as Shay said, you know, we thought, well, maybe we'll have a couple of hundred people at most. And we put the petitions up this morning. So uh, welcome. Glad you're here. And so is it uh, love of Jesus or cabin fever? We're going to call it love of Jesus, right? <laughs> All right. So one thing that's important, if, uh, if you've been through the hurricane season before, uh, it's important that when these things happen, these life-changing, life-altering events come, it's important that we be prepared for them and that we have everything that we need. Have you ever been somewhere and you, uh, you, you get there and you realize you forgot something or something vitally important you don't have with you? So I want to share with you some things to make sure about. You may have seen some of these or, or have a, a hurricane preparedness list, but I put a few things together based on some things I saw on the Internet. Because if it's on the Internet... It's true and it is profitable. So I wanted to share some things with you about that. Uh, the first thing is wanting to have a supply list ahead of time. I found some great wisdom, a new store that's going to come out called uh, Bread, Batteries, and Beyond. So uh, that's coming up, right? So, so be ready. Also, you want to make sure that when you're cooped up with your family, can I get an amen to that? Cooped up. <laughs> I saw some of those elbows. Yeah, we cooped up with your family. I saw some great wisdom and advice on the internet. So go ahead and throw that up there, Kathy, if you would. Um, before it starts, write down the things you love because it's hard to remember those 72 hours in about your family members. Amen. Yeah. And then you all you need a you need a, a an accurate way to forecast the weather when the. Uh, uh, when the hurricane is coming. So there are different categories of hurricanes. You may have seen these. I saw this helpful one as well. There's category one, cat two, cat three, four, and then category five. So, uh, so you gotta be, you got to be on, on mindful there. And then who knows the different numbers of people that are going to be affected by the hurricane. I was, I, was, I was way underestimating the number of people in North Carolina affected. I thought that with it going through South Carolina that it would spare a lot of North Carolina. But you'll see here one of the news reports said there are more than 500 million without power in North Carolina. How a state with a population of 7 million can have 500 million out of power, I don't know. But again, if it's, if it's on TV or the news or Internet, it, it must, be, must be true. And with the hurricane coming, you've also got to have a reliable map to know where you are in case things come. I love this map here. Uh, Durham is not for everyone. So, so evidently, Florence doesn't like Durham. And that's perfectly fine with me. Is that okay with you guys? Florence doesn't like Durham? But with that also comes uh, people who pray. We certainly should pray along the hurricane. And then again, somebody put uh, where the prayer warriors live. Right there in that little circle. So uh, praise the Lord for that. Isn't that good? Shay mentioned uh, disaster relief. Uh, and, and one of the, the beauties we have the opportunity is North Carolina Baptist, which is who we are. We're local, of course, but we're a part of the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. 
and which means that we're, we're partnered with over uh, uh, 4,500 other churches in our state, and together we provide disaster relief. Along with the Red Cross, along with many other good agencies, the difference is that when we provide aid through our Baptist State Convention of North Carolina, we do it in Jesus' name. You saw Bobby and Donna stand up with those yellow shirts on. There's yellow hats that go with that. And uh, as our teams go out, as we feed 25,000 meals per day or more in many instances, when we do that, we are able to do that in Jesus' name. And Shay also mentioned the next picture here. Our, our, these are our leadership of our Baptist State Convention meeting on Friday, uh, Thursday or Friday, to, uh, to get mobilized to get these feeding trucks and laundry trucks and child care and disaster teams out across our state. And the second one from the right here is, that's Greg Riggs, one of our church members, and I'm sure he's already uh, out and deployed and, uh, and where he needs to be. He's one of the command commanders. He's like one of the, one of the big dogs up there. So, so we're thankful for that. Aren't you thankful for that as well? And, uh, and of course, if the hurricane comes, if the storm comes, one of the primary things we got to have is food, right? You got to have something to eat. So when the water rises, what, what is there? What's the best thing you can do? I love that. Bojangles is open, man. It's open. It's going to be soggy, but it's going to be open. But uh, aren't there that's some industrious guys there, right? Just. Uh, uh, so, so going through. So, so anyway, so, so there's, those are some things to be mindful of. And to make sure that you're prepared for success when the difficulties come. Now, I say all of that because certainly the hurricane has come through the area. But I also say that because in the Scripture, we are taught repeatedly that God provides for us everything that we need in order to be prepared not only for the storms of life like a hurricane, but also the storms of life like an illness, like a job loss, like a financial crisis. Anything that could happen, God has provided everything and will never find ourselves in need of anything when we're walking close to the Lord. Can I get an amen to that this morning? We'll never find ourselves in need when we're walking close to the Lord. What about when the power goes out? Does God protect our power supply? Not always, but He works in and through every circumstance for His glory, for our good, and for a testimony. And so that's why it's important that before the storms hit in life, And before the difficulties of life come. That's why it is so important that we are able and we are prepared and we are ready in a spiritual sense. That's why it's so important that you and I commit ourselves to growing in our relationship with Christ. If you've been here the last several weeks, I'm, I'm focusing on the word grow. Grow is one of our four strategy words here at Ridgecrest. Our four strategy words are, if you know what I'm saying with me, connect, grow, serve, Okay, we got some work to do. Got some strategy to carry out. Connect, grow, serve, and go. And as we're focusing for these few weeks on grow, I've taken the word grow and made uh, uh, an acrostic out of it. The G is for gather. It's so important that we gather together. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I was thinking it might be me and the staff and a few deacons. So I'm thankful you're here today. We've gathered in order to, to grow in our faith. R is for renew, to renew our minds and to do so regularly so that we might be ready to go out and and, and to remember all the things God would have us to remember 
when we face the circumstances of life. O is to observe. To observe all the things that we read about in Scripture and act on them and apply them to our lives. And then W is worship. That we might worship the Lord Jesus, not only on a Sunday, as important as that is, that we gather and worship. But man, every single day, you and I have the wonderful privilege of worshiping. So we've been focusing on that for the last several weeks. And today is a great day to be reminded of our need to be up to speed in growth every single day. I want you to stand with me, if you will, for just a, just a moment. Uh, we've been looking at 2 Peter chapter 3 for several weeks. Today was supposed to be the first of three Sundays dwelling on uh, some, some key growth factors. And as Shay mentioned, we're bumping those back. We'll start that next week. So what, what, what I've done is, is God actually pro- provided this message for me a few weeks ago. As I was reading through Second Peter, this passage just really has gotten a hold of me. And I thought, I'll need to come back and preach this message at some point because it is a strong, strong message. But it wasn't part of the rotation I had planned. And then this happened, and here I'm ready to share this beautiful message with you about the the wonderful provision that God makes so that you and I can be godly. So we're looking at 2 Peter, but not chapter 3. This is chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting, we're going to cover verses 3 to 15, but I want to focus in on verse number 3. In fact, just the first part of verse 3, you'll see the words on the screen, I think. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let me walk through that just real quickly. It tells us there that God's power, His divine power, His supernatural power that is above and beyond anything we can even comprehend. That power that God has, He gives to us. So notice, so that in all things, not just some things, but that in all things we might have what it takes that that our life might be godly. So I'd like to ask you this morning... To read that verse out loud with me. You may have your Bible in front of you. And if you have it there, read it. If not, the words are on the screen. But would you read these words out loud with me? And then I'm going to pray for us. Ready? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I want us to read that again. And when we read it again, when you get to the words, all things, I want you to say them especially loud. So, all things, really loud. Say that really loud. Ready? Ready? All things. So as we read through this again, when we get to all things, say it real loud, but not just loud, but say it with, with passion and say it with belief. Remind yourself in these words that God has provided for you. Whatever your station in life, wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with, wherever you've come from, wherever, however godly or ungodly you've been even till today, God has provided for you everything you need so that at least going forward from today, you can be the godly person He's called you to be. All things. So, so say that part really loud as we read it together again. Ready? Here we go. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and God. And we thank you, our Heavenly Father, that nothing surprises you, not a hurricane in a storm outwardly and not the hurricanes and storms that we face inwardly. And we thank you, Lord, that when we are careful to be ready, when we commit ourselves to growing in our faith, Lord, we find that you indeed provide for us in advance all things that we need in order to live a godly life. So that when the storms come, and they do and they will, we'll be ready. 
and have all the provisions we need to bring glory to you, experience your presence, and be a blessing to others. Thank you for that reminder, and thank you for the moments we have this morning to talk about what this means as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So as we think about these provisions for godliness that God has given us, as I read through and have studied uh, these verses, verse, uh, verse 3 down to verse 15, there are five provisions that I want to point out for you. I, I could pull some others out of there too, but there's five provisions I wanted to share with you this morning that God gives us. He, he, he puts them in our lap. He puts them in our heart. He puts them in our mind. He puts them in His Word so that if we're careful to look at what it is God provides, we'll be ready and we will be the godly people that He's called us to be. So the first provision I want to point out for you is in verse 3, and that's the provision of knowledge. God provides for us knowledge that we might know. The the things of God are not a secret. The, The message of Jesus Christ is not a secret. It's not for only the most learned people. It's not only for those who go to seminary. It's not only for those who are ministers or deacons or leaders in the church. The knowledge about our Lord Jesus Christ is for every single person in the world. The seminary trained pastor is there only to be equipped to better go out and share that message with every possible person in a church setting. The the church leader who who teaches a connect group or works in Awana or holds babies in the preschool area, the, 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 the trained worker in a church is trained only so that they can take that knowledge of Jesus and share it with every possible person. For those that attend worship, you may attend a Sunday school connect group, you may attend the worship service, understand that the knowledge that we share here is so that you can be better equipped to know it yourself and then share it with every possible person. And that includes everybody that works the drive through with the float along Bojangles. It includes the weatherman who can't figure out how many people live in North Carolina. But it also includes your neighbor and your friend and your co-worker and your fellow student and your teammate and all the people around that they might have knowledge. God provides that knowledge for us, for you and I, that we might be the godly people He entails for us. Now, something I've discovered is that this knowledge of Jesus, and you see there in verse 3 the words there, through the knowledge of Him, that's God, who called us to His own glory and excellence. He calls us through Christ. He knows us. He calls us to know Christ. And as I've studied the Bible over the years, I've come to understand there is so much that I don't know. In fact, the more I read and study, the more I realize the immensity of who God is because there's so many things as I learn knowledge, there's so many things I realize I don't know, but what I do know is amazing. What the Bible says is amazing. One of the things I've discovered about the Bible is that every single one of the 66 books of the Bible tells me something about Jesus. Jesus did not just come along in the New Testament with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's been there through all of eternity. And starting in the book of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and all the way through, we see a picture of Jesus. Now, I don't know if you believe me or not, but I'm going to take just a moment, a quick moment, all too quick, but I want to share with you from each book of the Bible just a glimpse of what it tells us about Jesus, this knowledge that God gives us so that we might be provided for, so that we might be godly. For example, in Genesis, Jesus is our creator. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. 
In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he is the water of refreshment in the desert. In Deuteronomy, he is our eagle's wings of deliverance. In Joshua, it is Jesus who is the commander of the army of the Lord. In Judges, he is the Lord of peace. In Ruth, he is the Redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he is prophet, priest, and king. In 2 Samuel, he's the rock of our salvation. In 1 Kings, he is the builder of a temple that will never fall. In 2 Kings, he is the reigning king of all the universe. In 1 Chronicles, he is the son of David who has come to rule. In 2 Chronicles, he is the king who reigns eternally. In Ezra, he is the priest who proclaims freedom. In Nehemiah, he is the restorer of that which is broken. In Esther, he protects his people. In Job, he is the mediator between sinful man and holy God. In Psalms, he is our song that we sing. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom and our strong tower. In Ecclesiastes, he is the meaning of life. In the Song of Solomon, he is the author of true love. In Isaiah, he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he is the weeping Messiah. In Lamentations, he assumes and becomes God's wrath for us. In Ezekiel, he is the Son of Man. In Daniel, he is the Son of God with us in the fiery furnace of life. In Hosea, he is a faithful husband even when we run away. In Joel, he is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he delivers justice to the oppressed. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he is the great missionary. In Micah, he casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. In Nahum, he proclaims future world peace. In Habakkuk, he crushes injustice. In Zephaniah, he is the warrior who saves. In Haggai, he is the restorer of true worship. In Zechariah, he is the Lord and King over all the earth. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness who brings healing. Somebody say amen. That's who Jesus is. Now the New Testament. In Matthew, he is our Messiah King. In Mark, he is our Messiah Servant. In Luke, he is our Messiah Deliverer. And in John, he is our Messiah who is God in human form. In Acts, he is the Spirit who dwells in his people. In Romans, he is the power of God to salvation. In 1 Corinthians, he conquers death and is our resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, he is the down payment of our eternal life to come. In Galatians, he is our inheritance. In Ephesians, he is our peace at the right hand of the Father. In Philippians, he is God that supplies all our needs. In Colossians, he is the supreme position in all things. In 1 Thessalonians, he is our hope in the last days. In 2 Thessalonians, he is our returning king. In 1 Timothy, he is our crown of righteousness. In 2 Timothy, he is our helper. In Titus, he is our hope. In Philemon, he is our friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he is our high priest. In James, he is the great physician. In 1 Peter, he is our hope in times of suffering. In 2 Peter, he is the restorer of all things. In 1 John, he is our love and our light. In 2 John, he is Christ who has come in the flesh. In 3 John, he is our prosperity, health, and peace. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with 10,000 saints. And in Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Will anybody say amen to that this morning? That's who Jesus is. And listen, I, I, I say all of that with, 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 with great fear and trepidation, knowing I, I, I breezed across that so quickly. But the point is that God gives us knowledge in the Bible about Jesus in every book of the Bible so that we might be adequately provided for to live a life that is godly. 
He gives us knowledge. But not only does God give us knowledge in the books of the Bible, but He also gives us knowledge in the names of Christ. If you've ever done a study of the names of God, you you quickly come to realize that the one true God reveals Himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the the tri-unity of God. And then if you look through the Scriptures, you also come to understand that that God reveals Himself not only as the triune God, but He reveals Himself by His names. How can... How can finite or, 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 or mortal mankind, how can we ever know the infinite and eternal God? How can we in our humanness ever know the, the, the eternal God that is out there? We know that because God reveals Himself. He reveals Himself through His Word, and then He reveals Himself through His names. The names of God the Father are, it's a long list. The names of God the Holy Spirit, it's a long list. The names of God the Son, Jesus our Savior. It's a long list of of ways that God reveals Himself to us that describes both who He is and what He does. I've pared the list way down. So I want to share with you some of the names of Jesus that we find in the Scripture because in knowing His names, we have knowledge that gives us the access to godliness that we want to pursue in our lives. Here are some of the names of Jesus. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty One. He is our advocate. He stands in our place. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the beloved Son of God. He is the bread of life. He is the bridegroom. He is the cornerstone. He is the deliverer. He is faithful and true. He is the good shepherd who knows his sheep. And calls us by name. He is the great high priest. And the head of the church. He is the holy servant of God. He is the great I am. He is Emmanuel. He is the indescribable gift of God. He is the judge. He is the king of kings. The lamb of God. The light of the world. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lord of all. He is the mediator. And he is the Messiah. The Mighty One and our hope. He is our peace, our prophet, our redeemer. He is the risen Lord and the rock. He is the sacrifice for our sins and our Savior. He is the Son of Man and the Son of the Most High. He is the supreme creator over all. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the door. He is the way and the truth and the life. He is the victorious one. And he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Would somebody say amen? Amen. Those names and so many more in the Scripture tell us who Jesus is and what He does. And I've given you the, 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 the bird's eye view this morning of all these different names and all these different Bible references. And I, I give them to you in such brief format so that they can, you can just be, be washed over by them and know that, it, that if you will join with me and if we will join together with others to study God's Word, we'll come to realize that God gives us the knowledge of Jesus so that we might be provided for, so that we might be godly. But not only does God give us the uh, knowledge of Christ in the books of the Bible, in the names of Jesus. But very quickly, I'd point out to you, the ministry of Jesus also provides for us knowledge of who He is and what He does. 
that we might live godly lives. For example, there's his preaching ministry. You can read the sermons of Jesus there in the New Testament. You can read his teaching. You can, you can read about in the New Testament the healing power of Jesus, how he was able to heal the blind and the lame and the sick with just a touch or just a word. You can read about the power of Jesus to calm the sea and the power he exhibited over nature itself. He even could raise the dead. He could cast out demons and had power and authority over Satan himself. This is who Jesus is in the Scripture. And this knowledge gives us everything we need that we might live a godly life. And so I'd point out to you this morning, first of all, don't forget to continually grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ in your pursuit of godliness. I want you to notice, secondly, God not only gives us the knowledge of Christ to give us godliness, but He also gives us promises. Verse 4, By which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises. Don't you love it when somebody makes a promise to you? Have you, have you had somebody ever made a promise to you and you knew before they ever said it, they did not intend to keep that promise? You know people like that, right? They will promise you the moon, but they won't even deliver a moon pie, right? They just, they, they can't come through with anything. And there are other people that you know that when they promise you something, they will die before they not fulfill that promise. And God loves us so much and has provided for us His promises to the point that Jesus, our Savior, died for us that these promises might come true. I want to share with you some very great and precious promises that we read about in the Bible that help you and I to become more godly. There's one in Isaiah 40, verses 29 to 31, where it says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall fail and shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isn't that a great promise God gives? Isn't that a great promise that God gives us? Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. That's His promise. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Is that anybody here today? You've you got a struggle going on in your health. You've got a struggle going on in your family. You've got a struggle going on in your life, in your job, within your spirit, with your temptation, with your morals. Anything that you've got going on, Jesus said, Come to me when you labor and struggle with these things. And here's His promise. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that a great promise? John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Anybody here struggling to have peace? Outward peace with somebody else? Inward peace with yourself? Or upward peace with God? The Scripture promises, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. With you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We don't have to be troubled and afraid. Why? Because God promises, Jesus promises His peace in every circumstances. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that a great promise? Though I'm a sinner, He promises a free 
gift that I don't have to pay for because I can't. I don't have to earn it because I can't. I don't have to work for it because I can't. He gives it to me freely in Jesus Christ when I simply ask for that and receive it. Romans 10, 9 says, If I will confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead, I will be saved. That's a great promise. Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who calls on the name of the Lord and is saved? Say it with me. Everyone. There's nobody. There's, there's, there's nobody at all who is out there that, 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 that will ever call on the name of Christ and the Lord look at him and say, oh, I'm sorry, not today. Doesn't happen. Everyone, anytime, anywhere, throughout any period of history that calls on him will be saved. Philippians 4.19 God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 13 verse 5, which is, a, which is a quote of Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Read that with me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is there ever a time the Lord will not be with you? No. He promises to always be with you. What about those times when I feel so alone? Those times I don't know where He's at. Those times I can't, I can't, I can't grasp Him. What about that? Even then, He is with you when you don't know His presence. He is there. The last words recorded of Jesus in Matthew 28 and verse 20. Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So these promises of God in the Scripture enable us to be godly because God provides these promises for us. Even when it looks like we don't know what's going to happen. Even when it looks like the worst is coming at us. Even when it looks like our life will end on this earth. Even then, His promises will carry us through. And we can be godly in every circumstance. Thirdly, don't you notice He gives us, I'm going to call them supplements. I don't know what else to call them. The scripture here does. Supplements. He supplements our Christian life with certain things that will enable us to live godly lives. You're used to uh, be seeing the advertisements for all these supplements on TV. All these herbs and organic things and vitamins and vegemins. And, you know, remember I Love Lucy, Vitamita Vegemin, you know, that, that, that thing went, went along. And, and I take vitamins and I take, I take some supplements and those things are great. I love the one they advertise, Prevagen. You ever seen the one for Prevagen? If you take Prevagen, that's wonderful. I don't mean to belittle you, but, but you know, that it, it's, it's, a, it's for your memory, to help you remember things. And it comes from a substance found in jellyfish. I'm thinking, wow, I want to be able to remember things just like a jellyfish, right? <laughs> anyway, God supplements our Christian life with things that we, have, we can grasp hold of and apply to our lives. That just like a vitamin may well help our, spiritual, uh, our physical body, these supplements will help us grow in our spiritual body. Notice what he says here starting in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement. Make every effort to add to your Christian life. Uh, your faith, that's your belief in God, virtue. And to virtue, supplement with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. Now, this is a sermon series I just read for you. So it's really hard not to dwell on each one of these. And at some point, maybe we'll do that. 
But each of these things listed, each of these, these items that will supplement my faith, each of these things that will help me in my Christian walk will provide for me the resources I need to live a godly life. Can I live that godly life on my own? No. But if I take the, 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 uh, uh, the, the, the knowledge of God, and if I take the promises of God, and I take the supplements God provides for my faith, these things can help me. And starting in verse 8, there are results of these supplements. Just like you say, well, I'm taking this vitamin and it's helping me to see better. I'm taking this, this other supplement and it's helping me to remember better, or to, to lose weight, or anything that it might be there. That there are results, visible results in our spiritual life when we supplement our faith with these things. There are five listed. Let me give you, starting in verse 8. If, you, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, if you're bringing these things into your life, here's five results. Number one, effectiveness or fruitfulness. You will begin to be more effective in your spiritual life. Do do you find yourself wanting to be more spiritually mature than you are? Then when you supplement your Christian life with these things, notice it says uh, that these things keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if not having them makes you ineffective and unfruitful, when you do add them, guess what happens? You become effective and fruitful. Secondly, you become clear-sighted. You don't have to eat all those carrots anymore, right? Verse 9, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind. This is, of course, speaking in a spiritual sense. If you don't put these things into your life, you will not only not become godly, you will become blind to your spirit, to the spiritual issues and matters in your faith. So uh, when you have these things, you'll become more clear-sighted in a spiritual sense. You'll also thirdly have remembrance. You'll be able to remember the promises and remember the words of God and remember the, the, the truth of Scripture. It says that uh, those lacking, those who don't have these things, have forgotten. that They're out of their mind. But when we remember these things and apply them, they are in our mind. We remember them. Number four, there's a cleansing. Those lacking have forgotten that He was cleansed from His former sins. You see, if we're not careful to supplement our faith and to supplement our Christian life, we forget, our, we forget our condition when God saved us from our sins. We forget what it was like to, to be a sinner separated from God. And in fact, we're drawn to get back into the, the sinful mud pile, uh, mud pile with, with, with people who are not believers in Christ. If we're not adding these things to our, our Christian walk, we're, we're susceptible to, to sin sickness in our life. That's what he's saying here. So, so never forget that you've been cleansed from your sins. And then fifthly, the fifth result is a victory. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and your election sure. For if you practice these qualities, notice, you will never fall. You will never fail. It doesn't mean we'll be perfect. But it means that we will be adequately provided for in godliness. So that when the, when the storms and hurricanes of life come at us, whatever form they take, physical, spiritual, moral, character, whatever, we will be able to stand strong. Isn't that great news today? That God provides everything for us. Well, fourthly, very quickly, God provides for us eternal life. Eternal life in the future enables us to live a godly life in the present. Notice what it says in verse 11. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These things, these uh, resources, our faith provides for us an open door into heaven 
into eternity. We, call, we mentioned a minute ago one of the promises from Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we know that we have eternal life in the future. And that should enable us and provide for us to live a godly life now. What if God calls me to go through the hurricane and my house gets demolished? I've got eternal life to look forward to. Therefore, I can live godly now even when my home is taken away. What about when I get a cancer that may well take my life and it may well end my life on this earth? I know that I've got eternal life. Therefore, I can endure anything physically that this world may throw at me. What if, what if, what if the stock market crashes and, and, and poverty comes across our nation? Then I know that I have the eternal riches of God in heaven waiting for me. Therefore, I can live a godly life in the midst of any poverty that may come my way right now. And so here we're reminded of our eternal life so that we might be able to live a godly life now, whatever this world throws at us. And fifthly, there is reminders. I love this. I can just, I can just, this is somebody's mother. This is one of the, one of, one of the disciples. This is Peter writing this in, in the New Testament. And, and this, is the, this is the person that reminds you of things until you're sick and tired of being reminded. Does anybody, do you have anybody in your life that reminds you of things until you're sick and tired of being reminded? Raise your hand, okay? All right, don't raise your hand. Okay, I see you're nervous about that. Okay. The fifth, the fifth provision God gives us are these reminders. Notice what Peter says here, starting in verse number 12. He's basically saying, I'm going to stir you up now so that you'll remember about godliness and not forget when I'm gone. That's what he's saying, starting in verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you. In other words, I'm going to be in your face and in your ear reminding you that God has provided for you so that you can live a godly life. I'm going to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. You already know this stuff, he says, but I'm going to tell you again and again and again. Somebody say amen to that. This is the importance of growing in our faith and reading and rereading the Bible and coming and coming again to church and gathering and renewing and observing and worshiping. This is the value. This is where we see the value of the repetition of doing the things that God has provided for us to be godly. So he's saying here, I'm going to remind you even though you know it. I think it right, verse 13, as long as I'm in the body to stir you up by way of reminder. I'm going to stir you up. I'm going, to, I'm going to send you an email. I'm going to call you on the phone. I'm going to see you out at the mall. I'm going to be where you are. And when you come to see me, I'm going to remind you. And I want to stir you up to where you say, Pastor, you've already told us this a hundred times. Well, this makes 101. Y'all got real quiet there in a hurry. This is what Peter is saying to his readers. You, I've already told you these things. And I'm reminding you. And notice he says... I'm reminding you to stir you up. To bring them not only to memory in your mind, but to implant them in your heart that you might live them out in your life. Why? Because Peter knew then, like we know now, if we're not careful, we'll get all this knowledge in our mind, we'll go to all the right places like church, but then we'll get back out in the world and we'll forget all about our Christian walk. We'll forget about the promises. We'll forget about the knowledge. We'll forget about the presence. We'll forget about all these things and we'll find ourselves slipping back. So Peter says here, and the Scripture says to you and I, I'm going to keep stirring you up to remember. Remember, and then he says in verse 14, notice, Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus made clear to me. He's saying, 
I know I'm going to die soon. I'm not going to be with you soon. The Lord has made it clear. I'm no longer going to be in your presence. I'm going to be taken away. So I want to make sure that while I'm here, I'm stirring you up adequately so you can live a godly life. In verse 15, And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. He's saying this stuff is so good. This issue of godliness is so important that even after I die, you need to remember it. Even after I'm gone, you need to read about it. You need to make sure about it. You need to apply it to your life. You, you, need, to, you need to make sure that, that you're not letting it just float by the wayside or, or escape your memory or be something that happened in the past and you're pursuing something different now. He says, I want to stir you up to the point that you will remember and apply these things to your life. This godliness is so important. And the rest of 2 Timothy is just reminders of things that they already know. So, so these five provisions for us. Guys, come up for our last song if you would. These, these provisions that God gives for us, and again, they are knowledge, His promises, these supplements to our faith, our eternal life, and these reminders, all direct us to remember that it is His divine power that has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given us everything so that you and I can have life and can be godly. I know there are some folks sitting out here today, you might think this message is meant for somebody else. Because when you think about your circumstances, where you've been or where you are, you think, well, godliness will never apply to me. When people think of me, they don't think of godly. And if they ever do, they'll laugh out loud thinking I could ever be a godly person. But I want to tell you today, God's Word provides for you. His divine power provides for you and for me an avenue of godliness. From wherever we happen to be right now, for some of us, it's just a great reminder. Don't lose out on these things. Don't forget what it was like to be saved. Don't forget the promises of God. Don't forget who Jesus is. It's just a good reminder. But there's some people here today, more than one, more than two, maybe more than ten, that your life and your lifestyle has been such and maybe is right now that you think, I can never be a godly person. Look at that verse up on the screen. What is it that grants us the power to pertain life and godliness? His divine power. The very thing that you can never do yourself, the very thing I can never do for you, is exactly that thing that God does for you in Jesus Christ. And I say that because He's done it for me. And there are many people here who would say, Amen, He's done it for me too. Anybody say Amen to that? Amen. He's done it for you too. And if you're here today... And you think godliness is so far away, I'm here to tell you that it's attainable in an instant when you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And after this last song that we sing, our service is going to be dismissed. We'll go on our way to have a, a good rest of the day, a good rest of the week. We'll gather again next Sunday. We look forward to you being in connect group and worship service. We look forward to you bringing this envelope back that you're going to get with money in it to help disaster relief in Jesus' name. And all that we get our news brief on Friday, all the things that normally happen. But as we dismiss, there are those of us uh, on our ministry staff, uh, Shay and Austin and Joe and Rodney and myself and Hubert and Lisa and any, any of us that are around as well as our deacons and connect group leaders. If, if you're one of those folks and you're 
you're available, just kind of hang around. If, if you know somebody here that's a godly person and you want somebody to help you with godliness, you find one of us and just talk to us. Give us a chance to pray with you and to pray for you after we sing this last song.